<sighs> What's up, world? Welcome to a new episode of I Bleed Sports. You already know it's Tuesday. You already know who I am. I am the host, Brandon Janu. And like always, on all podcast platforms everywhere, Brandon Janu show social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, uh, Facebook, Brandon Janu show. And of course, YouTube channel, Brandon Janu show. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Excuse me. Let's get into it. So it is Tuesday, so you already know it's I Bleed Sports. Um, this is a very special I Bleed Sports. Um, yes, I know some stuff that happened in the NBA. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid scoring 70 points. Carl uh, Anthony Towns scoring 62 points last night. And, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks head coach getting fired. Um, today, um, and let's start right there. Um, the worst thing of a situation like this is immediately you start to ask the question of what particularly happened to fire your head coach when he has led you to a 30 and 13 record. What the hell? And it immediately becomes the conversation or the question of all time, which is the two stars, Giannis, Dame Lillard. Um, you fire a head coach that gave you, brought you to a 30 or 13 record. What does this really mean now for the Milwaukee Bucks moving forward? Now, some people are saying that this kind of, you know, firing comes from the Milwaukee Bucks um, pretty much front office not trusting, you know, that, uh, you know, Aiden Griffin, that is his name, uh, Griffin, Griffin uh, could get them over the hump. Uh, and clearly, you know, if Giannis is drawing up plays, so they say, on the sidelines last night, that's not a good thing. Um, now, rumors are that they might go get Doc Rivers to uh, be the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if Doc fits the Milwaukee Bucks particularly. Um I do know one thing, people will run through a wall for him. I just don't know if he fits them, and that's the thing. I'm not trying to, you know, diss Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is one of the great head coaches, but the the thing about the, the Clippers and the 76ers, the teams that he's coached in the last couple of years, is that his messaging kind of runs thin at some point. And, yeah, for Giannis and Dame, who Giannis who's won a ring, Dame who has never won a ring, yeah, you could probably feel like, I have one of the greatest head coaches probably ever do it, Doc Rivers, to come in now and be the voice of reason for us. But at the same time, how long does that messaging kind of run thin? I mean, you don't probably get, you know, the message probably doesn't run thin. But you've already played 43 games, so you probably already have what you got, like, have the season already played. So you only have what? It's 82 games in it, so about 40 games left. 
40, 39 games left, something like that. So, yeah, 39 games left on the season. So, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this all plays out. I, I personally don't know uh, what the decision, why they made the decision. Maybe he was over his head. Maybe he was, it was, you know, a little bit too steep for him. He probably couldn't really, you know, get himself uh, over the hump with these players. Maybe he, he, he just wasn't the guy. Maybe he's a better, like I said, in the NFL. Some people are just better off coordinators than actually physically being head coaches. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it is in basketball, too. I mean, if your star players are kind of like going on deaf ears, Giannis and Dame, like, I don't really give a fuck this dude saying to me. I already know what the fuck I want to do. You're going to probably lose the team and the job. So, yeah, um, sucks. But at the same time, it is what it is. Um, Let's go to Carl Anthony Towns scoring 62 points for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Joel, Joel Embiid scoring 70 points. For the Philadelphia 76ers, but two sides of the goddamn coin, literally. Carl Antile scores 62 points, and Minnesota loses to one of the worst teams in the NBA in Charlotte. Philly, who also is playing against one of the worst teams in the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs, was also in a dogfight. The problem was, Philly still won the game, and Joel Embiid still scored 70 fucking points. And that is the difference between a team that is built around their star in a team that has to kind of feed um, the guy that has been considered the franchise player, but it's just not the franchise player. When you start to hear, you start to hear, you see last night's game with Minnesota and they lose to Charlotte. That's crazy to say. The fact that Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 points and Anthony Edwards really didn't do shit in that game. Tells you all you need to know. I get it. Somebody scored 62 points. Somebody got the hot hand. You keep feeding them. But Carl Anthony Towns is not one of those guys that scores 62 points and he gives you anything else. He's offensively savvy. He can shoot threes. He can shoot. He can be an offensive weapon. The problem with Carl Anthony Towns is why you bought in a Rudy Gobert. is because defensively he can't play defense. When your plus minus is literally zero, that tells you all you need to know about this dude, man. I'm not a, I'm not against Carl Anthony Towns, man, but I, this is the thing about Minnesota that I continuously say. If Anthony Edwards scored 62 points in a loss, I probably would be like, what the fuck else did they do? Because I know Anthony Edwards is not just going to score 62 points. He's going to be relentless in that game to get everybody going at some point. The fact of the matter is, this is why I've said numerous times if I was Minnesota, I would trade Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not sitting here saying that Carl Anthony Towns is the worst part of the Timberwolves. No, 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 no. Scoring 62 points is a, is a crazy feeling, but to also score 62 points and still lose the fucking game when you were up double digits against the worst team, in the, one of the worst teams in the NBA, is fucking crazy. Like, that is... And you are one of the best teams in the Western Conference. That's the craziest part. I, I just, I just, I, 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 this is why I feel like Minnesota is going to struggle because as good as this team is, I know defensively they're great and all that. You're going to get into the playoffs and Rudy Gobert can't pick, do pick and rolls. So that means just you can't stop Luka or Kyrie. 
you can't do pick and rolls, so what are the teams you can't stop? You can't stop the Pelicans. <laughs> it's like there's more teams that can literally beat the Timberwolves. You can't stop OKC. It's it's too many teams when you get into the playoffs, they're going to beat you because they know how to offensively keep Rudy Gobert from actually having effects in the game, which will force Carl Anthony Towns to actually have to step up and play defense, which has never been his strong suit. I'm not mad at the fact that he scored 62 points. It's the fact that you score 62 points and you were up double digits and you still lose. And this is why I always say, just because you got a stat in the NBA right now, oh, they're the best defensive team in the league. And your point is, until you play an actual basketball team, an actual team, that stat don't mean shit. Get in the playoffs and be the best defensive team. Because I don't think you got the bodies of the, t- of the players to do it. Everybody's like, oh, man, Mike Conley would have calmed him down last night. Not really. I mean, if you score, if a player scores 62 points, and, and, you, and after the game, you had a head coach literally go off on everybody and say, we need to get more discipline. Well, that's your motherfucking job. You're supposed to get them disciplined. What the fuck are you talking about? Rudy Gobert has won defensive player of the year, what, three, four times in his career? There is no way in hell you should have let the Charlotte Hornets come back and win that game. Now, on the other side of that coin is the Philadelphia 76ers. Like I said, they played another really shitty basketball team in the San Antonio Spurs. And Philly scored... Joel Embiid scored 70 points. He had five rebound, five assists, 18 rebounds. The man was on another fucking planet, another fucking level of, of greatness. And Joel Embiid, um, now the talk of the town so far is, today has been Joel Embiid's playing at an all-time level, but if he misses a couple of more games, he will be out for out of contention for MVP. But to see him score 70 points and break Will Chamberlain's 76ers record and to have the game that he played had last night, when he is on, it's a dangerous team, man. And he's the same way. He's got to get in the playoffs and win. That's it. He got to get in the playoffs and fucking win. And I don't know if he can, man. That, that's the thing about the Philadelphia 76ers. Same thing with Minnesota. It's the same thing with Philly. Can you win when it matters most? I don't give a shit how many points you put up in a regular season game. Can you win when it matters most? And I don't know if Philly can. I'm not saying that Philly can't do it this year because there's a lot of opportunities for them to somehow, some way, the playoffs bounce the right way. Boston doesn't play Philly into the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, they don't even have to play Boston at all. Boston and Milwaukee knock each other out. Like, they don't ever have the – they don't ever have to t- – t- play against each other. New York plays against Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, there's a lot of things that could happen with this situation, and I don't know what happens. But I know one thing. Joel Embiid is on, and when he's on, he's one of the best players in the league. He's the MVP for a fucking reason. The thing about the Philadelphia 76ers, though, that I feel like that has to continue to, to, to be a constant reminder is when it's playoff time, can he do it? If he's not hurt, if he's not injured, if he's not hurt, can he do it? And I feel like right now, that is the biggest question of all. 
And I feel like Philly might not get to the finals. I'm not saying Philly can't. I just, Boston, if Milwaukee do find the right coach, the Knicks are actually good this season. <laughs> like, it's a lot of things that can keep them from getting to the NBA Finals, man. And I'm, I'm, and I know a lot of people would sit here and think I'm crazy for saying that do Philly, Philly get to the NBA Finals. But I, I, I would love to see Philly get to the NBA Finals. I would love to see Joel Embiid finally get his ring. But will he be healthy when he gets there? And that's the fucking point. And I think with the NBA trade deadline coming around the corner. Philly should be in the conversation of getting one of these fucking players. I don't think you need Trey Young, but if Cleveland is talking about maybe trading Donovan Mitchell, which sounds so fucking stupid to do, but if they are talking about trading Donovan Mitchell, you need to jump into that conversation. You need might you might need to listen. I know Tobias Harris is playing better this season. He's been playing better these last couple of weeks. But if I'm Philly, I'm like Yo Cavaliers. You need a swinging wing. You need to go with Darius Garland and Jared Allen and, and, and Evan Mobley. You need a guy that can actually just be on the perimeter and shoot all day. That is Tobias Harris. That is not Donovan Mitchell. How about we swap? If I'm Philly, I make that deal. Same thing as Chicago. Zach Levine. I don't know what the fuck Chicago's doing. Hey, Chicago, you've been holding on to Zach Levine. I give you Tobias Harris for Zach Levine. Let's make it happen. It's a lot of trades that should be going down this offseason, this uh, trade deadline. I can't wait. Uh, I will be back for that. I will do the, I believe, sports NBA trade deadline. There will be a special thing depending on if the moves happen and everything. But so far, some trades have been going down and everything. Uh, I got to write it down, go into watch what happened. But the NBA season is about to heat up. NFL is about to go off. So the NBA season is about to heat up, especially if these trades are made. Donovan goes to either, you know, Philly or the, like, wherever he ends up. If Cleveland does trade him, which sounds so fucking stupid if they do, but I can see why they would do it because they're not winning this season. But at the same time, it's just like, what fucking sense does that make? To bring him in last year just to trade him this year. That make any fucking sense. I don't get that. But anyway, that is my NBA news so far. That's what I wanted to talk about. It comes to the NBA. But congratulations to those dudes that, that, that scored last night. Call Anthony Towns and Joella Bede. I think Kevin Durant had like a 43-point game. Jason Tatum had like a 39. Luke, I think, had like 36. Like, that's the thing. So, yeah. Now let's get into it. The NFL playoffs. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like I said, tonight's a very special episode because there is no – you know, you know, four. Well, I could go with the four, but it's simple four. Like, we already know who the fuck the four best teams are in the NFL because they're playing this Sunday. Um, And I don't really have, you know, my crazy, you know, my game, my eyes on football. I probably should have done my levels of warning, but I don't even. It is what it is. And that all will be back next year for football season. Uh college in NFL. Well, I probably won't do it for the NFL. That's a little bit too much. But <laughs> but next year, we'll be back next year for the NFL season. But today, I will be talking about the eight teams that played this past weekend. And I want to talk about something that everybody talks about. And that is the 
the window, Super Bowl window. So I'm going to go from the teams that I expect to actually have their Super Bowl windows open for a very amount of time going into the teams that I just expect the window is officially closed. It's over. It's done. Now, I'm not going to pick – I'm not going to do all these playoff teams, but I am going to do the eight teams that played this past weekend. So let's get into it. So the team that I think is window is either not open yet or will be substantially open next fucking year. And that is the Houston Texans. Houston losing in the divisional round to the Baltimore Ravens 34 to 10 makes sense. Uh they weren't they weren't ready for that type of game, that type of environment, or that type of situation. Um led by CJ Strout, um one of the best rookie seasons as a quarterback um ever. Um, I expect this game, uh, I expect Houston to get better next year. D'Amico Ryan should be in a conversation for Coach of the Year. I know there's a lot of candidates this year, but D'Amico Ryan's for what he has accomplished from where Houston was literally the last couple of years with firing a lovely, firing of a David Kalua, a David Collin, whatever the hell his name was, to did hire Lovey Smith. Then fire and Lovey Smith, like you fired two head coaches in back to back years. Three if you actually count Brian or uh, Brian uh Bill O'Brien too. Like they fired like three head coaches in like the last four fucking seasons. I don't know how the fuck Houston made it to the playoffs this year <laughs> with all these situations. Um but winning the AFC South, I expect Houston's window to be open. I expect Houston's window to start to be open next year. Um, maybe not so much so because I don't, I don't now, again, this goes into what happens in free agency draft, what the team looks like structurally after it's all said and done. But for me right now, I don't have Houston winning the AFC South. I got them being in the playoffs, but not winning the AFC South. Um, and there's a lot of questions with the AFC, with this Houston team. Do you believe Nico Collins is the number one receiver? You get Tank Dell back. Is he a slot? Is he a two? Is Nico a two? Do you need to go get another number one receiver? Do you draft one? Do you trade for one? Do you just wait to free agency and see what happens? Offensive line play. Yeah, it was great, but a lot of people forget. They lost their center. They lost like two centers at the beginning of this, like in training camp. So they start, they lost their starting center in training camp. Like, you know, your tackle situations. What what do you do? Your guard situations. What do you do? Uh, you lost Terrence How- uh, uh, Travis, uh, Tyson Howard earlier in the season. Um, who's one of your guards? It's 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 a it's an interesting situation, an interesting dynamic of what Houston is. Uh, Devin Singletary, who Devin Singleton, who is actually a free agent this year. Do you let him walk? Do you let him? Do you sign him? Damian Pierce, who became a kick returner, who was last year's rookie standout, now is a kicker off return, a kick returner. What do you do with him? It's a lot more questions of Houston. Do you? It's a lot more questions, but it's questions that I feel like they will be answered during the offseason. One particularly is what you do with that defense. Now you got a number one corner in Devin Stingley. What do you particularly do with that secondary? Do you go get, you know, maybe. Uh, do you go get another cornerback, like a true number two? Do you trade for one? Do you draft one? Do you what do you do with that that secondary? Which I think, you know, 
if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that my I, I did my first ever I bleed sports mark draft. Um, but what do you do if you're Houston? Do you go get another pass rusher? You got Will Anderson. Do you go get another pass rusher? What do you do, linebacker-wise? I like Christian Harris. Um, he's a great start for a linebacker. But do you go out and go get another linebacker? Do you go get somebody that you trust? I don't know what you do, man. There's a lot of things in Houston. But I do believe that window of opportunity for Super Bowl conversation starts really next year. And it's going to go into season three with these guys. And I think that's really where the whole situation is going to be really interesting to see. But next year, I can definitely see people saying, depending on what they do with free agency, it might kick in literally in free agency in the draft, that their window of opportunity to be um, in the Super Bowl will probably start. So I would not be surprised how that's going to look. But Houston is definitely number one on the bulletin with the Super Bowl window either starting to be open or about to expand and really going to be open. So I can definitely see Houston next year being a team in that conversation of Super Bowl window. The next team on my list. <sighs> we played this past weekend. It's the Green Bay Packers. This is obvious. Green Bay, who also lost Saturday to the San Francisco 49ers. Green Bay is the youngest team in the NFL, which is saying a lot. Um, but next year, the NFC North is going to be very different. Detroit uh, won the NFC North this year, but Minnesota will be making overhaul changes either to the quarterback situation. Will Kirk Cousins be the quarterback next year? Will he not? Is Chicago going to trade Justin Fields or the number one pick? That's a lot. That's a huge question right now because Chicago could either restart their whole team or alienate their whole team. Because as good as Keller Williams could probably be, if he isn't great, you just traded away Justin Fields, who this whole entire team was screaming, we like Justin Fields. Do not trade him. Who the fuck are you going to bring in that's better than him? When your number one receiver, who you traded last year to get to play with Justin Fields, says, I don't give a fuck who these other quarterbacks are. I want Justin Fields. And then you trade him to bring in someone that might not even reach that talent because when the fuck have we ever heard of Chicago develop a quarterback? It's it's that. And I feel like that is where the situation could end up and hurt the this, this Chicago Bears really. So, but going into all of that, Green Bay's window of opportunity starts also next year. The window is not open, but it's also not the window's not open yet for uh, Green Bay, which makes it even better that they're the youngest team in the NFL. That makes it even better. The receiving core is set. The tight ends are set. You still have to figure out what the running back situation is. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, do you draft, Do you let A.J. Dillon probably go? Do you trade A.J. Dillon? Um, do you bring in a rookie to, to split carries with AJ, uh, Aaron Jones? How do you fix that offensive line up a little bit, get that offensive line ready? That defense may need another real pass rusher um, on that side. I know Preston Smith. I know Rashad Gary. I, I don't know who, what, when, where. I don't know who has the contract situation come up the most. But um, this is a situation in, in, in itself where I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know one thing, that Green Bay's window of opportunity is going to be pretty interesting to see in the next couple of weeks. And also, Jameer Alexander – I know they have a, a cornerback they drafted maybe last year or the year before last. Um, and I don't think he really played. You got Savage still there. 
Maybe you bring in some safety help, but you bring in some more linebackers. Green Bay's window of opportunity, and actually, to be honest with you, I probably would put Green Bay a little bit over Houston because I don't think Houston has what Green Bay has. Green Bay has a receiving core they trust, a running backs they got in a damn tight ends. Excuse me. Houston Bradley has all of that. Green Bay has that. And I and I and I am actually gonna put Green Bay over in front of Houston's window when I say they're number one with a bullet because I think Green Bay's window is a little bit more open and can be open next season quicker than Houston's. Now I don't know if Green Bay immediately jumps to over Detroit in my eyes for the NFC North. But Minnesota, Chicago, yeah. And I definitely believe Green Bay and Detroit will be playing it out to see who gets to the number two or maybe number one seed next year when it comes to the playoffs. But Green Bay's one, Houston's two. Number three is the Detroit Lions. I think Detroit is amazing. And they hit on another rookie class. You might as well put it in a fucking box. We still haven't seen Jamison Williams in this playoffs yet. Amaras St. Brown has been one of the best receivers in the NFL. You just haven't seen him because Detroit has sucked for most of his career. You got Sam Laporta. If Zach Ertz works... You probably resign him for another year, and you keep now. You have two solid tight ends and a Sam Laporta and Zach Ertz. You got two dynamic running backs, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Your offensive line is probably one of the best offensive lines. Um, let me rephrase that. Is one of is the best offensive line in the NFL. And Jared Goff is a serviceable quarterback. He's a serviceable quarterback. But people forget that the same Detroit team drafted Hayden Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee last year. Hayden Hooker, Hayden Hooker can literally end up next year if he's healthy. I'm not saying he takes the job from Jared Goff, but let's say they hit a wall with Jared Goff at some point. I'm not saying it will happen, but if they do hit a wall with Jared Goff at some point, Hayden Hooker is right there. He's he's athletic, and he can throw the ball down the field, and he can get you in certain situations. If they feel like they can't go certain places with Jared Goff, I can definitely see Hayden Hooker next year maybe jumping in and taking a job from Jared Goff. not saying that's what I want to see, but it could happen. Which brings me to also the defensive side of the ball. And that's really where it it comes down to. Depending on where Detroit's going to end up at the end of this season, Clearly, they're going to be in the, the late 20s, maybe early, thir- like maybe 31, maybe 32, maybe 29, maybe 30. But depending on where Detroit's going to be, um, when the draft selection comes out, wherever they end up at the end of the season, Detroit's going to be in a really good situation. Um, now, maybe they draft another cornerback or maybe they draft a pass rusher. They need defense and and that's the one thing about this team that I will always say they have not been great at defense they have not um this season I thought they would do better with Gardner Johnson and all the guys they brought in but this this it's it's only so much they can physically do um and I believe as good as Detroit is man defensively 
if they can continue to draft, like I said, if they continue to draft like they've been drafted, doing what they've been doing, I don't see how Detroit window of Super Bowl opportunity doesn't expand next year. Now, like I said, Green Bay has the best opportunity to probably get that window open the most. But them and Detroit are going to play against each other for a lot of next year. They're going to be going head-to-head with each other a lot next year. So I would not be surprised to see that be the the key point uh, of the NFC North next year and possibly in the conversation of who gets, just like Dallas and Philly was this year, who gets two, three, and who gets five. Because those two teams I expect to be great next year and be extremely um, successful. Detroit is one of those teams. I think their window of the, of the Super Bowl opportunities have just started. Just fucking started. Which brings me to four. Another team that I expect Super Bowl window has just started, really. And some people say, no, it hasn't, but it, it, it is. It started. Um, And that, to me, is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Baltimore will be hosting their first ever AFC championship game um, this upcoming Sunday. And for me, they're the fourth team you know, on my list right now when it comes to these eight teams. Baltimore's chance to win the Super Bowl starts really this year. Um, with the weapons they have, maybe if they draft another receiver, depending on what happens with Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman. But this team isn't getting older like a lot of other teams in the AFC. Not like Houston. They're right in the middle. They're not old. They're not young. But they're right in the middle. And that's good enough. Lamar Jackson is still there. Zay Flowers you got for a couple years. Maybe you keep Delvin Cook and sign up for a bigger deal. Maybe you let J.K. Dobbins. Maybe you trade J.K. Dobbins in the offseason. I don't know what you do. But the weapons they have accomplished and the weapons they have stashed Isaiah Likely, Mark Andrews, um, Zay Flowers, the guys that they have on their team. And then on the other side of the ball, that defense is not going anywhere anytime soon. They got to get another cornerback. You know, Marlon Humphreys is one thing, but they got to get another cornerback. They got to establish that situation. They got to get another cornerback. And maybe they draft one. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But or maybe they go sign one. Maybe they bring in one off of a trade. But they definitely got to go get a cornerback to help um, that other side of the ball. That's the one thing about that second that, that, that defense that is a little shaky, that secondary. Um, not crazy shaky because you don't see them really have problems. But when they have lost games this season, it is because you can catch their secondary slipping, Ma- mainly the cornerbacks. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they will maneuver that situation, how they're going to particularly play that situation out. Because they definitely need to figure that out. <laughs> they definitely need to figure that out. But Baltimore's window of Super Bowl opportunity has just started. I know, I know, I know. Lamar got to win this year. If he doesn't win this year, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he still will be better next year than he is this year. So that's four teams. Four teams to go. <laughs> Here we go. Fifth is the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Now, I could have put the other three teams in this, but I just feel like their window is a little bit more tighter than the Kansas City Chiefs window. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs window is like this. Like this. It's, like, it's compressing against each other. The only reason why it hasn't closed shut yet is because you have Patrick Mahomes. That's literally it. You have Patrick Mahomes. And that's literally it. Travis Kelsey's getting older. If he plays next year, great. If he comes back, great. But if, and I do mean if, if this offense does not grow. And I know people will sit here and say, if I was, you know, if I was, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, I'd go draft a receiver. Me and my brother Juan have talked about this numerous times. Should the Kansas City Chiefs just go get a receiver in the draft? I think it's bigger than just go get a receiver. Like, I, I think it's just bigger than just go get a receiver. Like, you have to trust one. You have to trust that receiver. Two, you have to believe that receiver is going to be able to do what you need him to do. And three, that offensive line suck. Like, <laughs> like it's it's to the point now where it's like, is it the deep? Is it the offensive line? Is it the receivers? What is it? And I think that right now for Kansas City, it's a harder thing to sell when you're sitting there and trying to explain what really makes this team offensively go. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be there for another year or two. You're good in that situation. Like I said, you still got Patrick Mahomes. You're good in that situation. The problem really lies into the into the situation is this offense under Matt Nagy is not going to be great. And the question that really stands into this whole situation isn't offense, isn't just defense. It is literally is this Andy Reid's last year? And I don't think people really want to have that conversation. But Andy Reid could retire after this Sunday. Or the Super Bowl. He could retire. He could win another ring and be like, you know what? I'm getting too old for this shit. I don't have time to be fixing this offense. I don't give a fuck. I just want another ring. I've done enough. I'm out. He can do it. He can physically do the shit. And that right then and there would have you know, the Kansas City Chiefs in another situation, which is who becomes a new head coach. So that is why I also feel like the window is also closing in on them a little bit because I don't know if they can handle Andy Reid retiring. I don't think they can handle it. I, I'm be I'm be dead honest. I don't know if the Kansas City Chiefs can handle Andy Reid retiring because who the fuck is the quarterback? Who's going to be the head coach? He ain't giving it to Matt Nagy. That shit ain't happening. So... Kansas City window can be closed very soon, depending on what happens in the next couple weeks. Which moves into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're my sixth team. Tampa Bay's window was very shaky to begin with. <laughs> was very shaky to begin with. Baker Mayfield outplayed a lot of things. Baker Mayfield did a lot of things great this season. But the one thing about Tampa Bay that I do not believe is great is they're gonna do they're gonna do what Seattle did last year, and that's fall in love with Geno Smith. And you're gonna pay him all this money, and y'all gonna be screaming his confidence is back and he's great. 
And then he's going to play next year, and he's going to immediately be like, fuck, we just played him all this money, and he's, he's not that guy. Teams now know you can't run the ball. The offensive line is still shaky as shit. That defense hasn't gotten better. And here's the thing. Levante David is getting older. You've already shown Devin White that he is never going, he's not the guy anymore in your linebacking core. So what the fuck do you do with him during the offseason? You probably trade him. Your cornerback situation has never been particularly great. That defense is getting older. It's not getting younger. And depending on what happens with the Baker Mayfield situation, does he ex- does he want a lot of money? Because if he does, then that means Mike Evans is gone. And you need Mike Evans way more than you need Baker Mayfield. And so that's the conversation that Tampa Bay is going to have to have with themselves, is what do we do? And with that being said, your window shrinks immediately. Now, next year in the NFC South, I don't know what the fuck the NFC South is going to look like. The Saints can still suck. Carolina can literally still suck. Atlanta could literally have the talent and never put it together, which means they're going to still suck. I don't know what this team, the NFC South, is going to look like. Tampa Bay could easily win the NFC South again next year. Or they could literally look like the team we expected them to look like this season, which is 4-12, 4-13, like They can literally they can win the NFC South. Or they could look like Carolina looked like this season. It just depends on the spectrum. <laughs> it really does depend. But, yeah, Tampa Bay, it, I, I, I think that window of Super Bowl opportunity isn't open. It's not fully closed, but it's damn sure not super open. Like a lot of people would probably sit here and scream that it is. I don't, I don't believe that. Which moves to the, la- to the last two teams. And that, to me... Number seven is the Buffalo Bills. <sighs> Buffalo's window of opportunity is this fucking far off the of the of the clothes, like this this much of clothes. I heard somebody say today that Josh Allen, before he had Stefan Diggs, was still good. No the fuck he wasn't. Are you kidding me? The dude had more interceptions than he had touchdowns before he got Stephon Diggs. Are you fucking kidding? Are you are you are you kidding me? Buffalo losing this Sunday showed more of what Buffalo has always been than what Kansas City has always done to them. The first time you played Kansas City in the playoffs, your whole team sucked. The second time you played Kansas City in the, in the playoffs, your defense sucked. Which, by the way, I used to laugh all the time when I used to do when me and my brother Wine started our show, and they used to call Buffalo the best defense in the league. They're the number one ranked defense in the league, and they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes for 13 seconds. Now, some of y'all say, "Well, that's Patrick Mahomes," and and they had Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey. How could they not, you know, you know, lose that game? That's one thing. But when you are calling them the number one ranked defense in the NFL, I'm assuming, motherfucker, you know how to stop them for 13 fucking seconds. The window of Buffalo is closed. It's getting closed. Um, Stephon Diggs is getting Stephon Diggs is getting traded. He's leaving. He's going to want out. He, now you're blaming him for the loss. Ah, oh, Stephon Diggs should have caught that last pass. Really? We're blaming Stephon Diggs for dropping a ball 
a ball that he's probably caught many of times in Buffalo. And now you're blaming him for why the fuck they lost. And I know people are going to say and say, no, they're not. Have you not seen anything that's happened the last couple of weeks, couple of days since Sunday? Ah, uh, Stephon Diggs had a wide open catch. He should have caught. Really? He had a wide open catch? Because last time I checked, the fucking defender was literally grabbing this motherfucker. What are you talking about? Now you're blaming him for why Josh Allen sucks. Ain't that some shit? And I didn't mean Josh Allen sucks in a way of like he can't play. No. What I mean by Josh Allen sucks is in the senses of does anybody really believe Josh Allen is going to lead the Buffalo Bills to a Super Bowl? Still. You're fucking without Stefan Diggs. You are fucking delusional. That is not going to happen. I trust the fact that as good as Buffalo is, the window is done. I've told you already too many teams that I feel have a better open window than the Buffalo Bills. And I didn't even get to the rest of the AFC. There's multiple teams that are better than the Bills. The AFC North, if Pittsburgh gets a quarterback, if since if Joe Burrow comes back and he's on a vendetta next year, the Cleveland Browns, if they get their quarterback and can figure out some of their defensive, uh, some of their offensive deficiencies, that's just the AFC North. I I just said Baltimore. That's four teams that Buffalo's already got to try to be better than next year. The AFC side, like I said, Houston. The team I actually have winning the AFC side next year is the Colts. Maybe the Jags are okay, and they might get into the playoffs. They might sneak in. The AFC West, you still got Kansas City. Lord forbid if the Chargers actually get their shit together and hire Jim Harbaugh, that's two years, two years the Los Angeles Chargers of being in the conversation of one of the best teams in the AFC. Sean Payton might get his quarterback, and then if that happens... Denver might be off to the races. I ain't even mentioned the Raiders. Like, the Raiders, if they get an offensive coordinator in the quarterback, the Raiders in the conversation. Excuse me. And we don't know how good Gerard uh, Mayo will be as a head coach. He might could turn the Patriots around. We don't know. So what all of that being said, if anybody's sitting up here and saying Buffalo, it's still got a chance to win the Super Bowl because they got Josh Allen. I don't think y'all are really paying attention. Buffalo's window of opportunity is closed. It's not super closed. It's got like a little like the like the window sill, like you closed it, but it's still got like you didn't lock it yet. You haven't shed it yet. That is the Buffalo Bills. You haven't locked the door just yet. You haven't locked the windowsill. But it's closed. This ain't locked it yet. Which brings me to the team that I feel like this Sunday, particularly this whole playoffs, has been geared towards. And that is the San Francisco 49ers. And they window will be shut solid if they lose to the Detroit Lions this Sunday. Or to the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I know if they get to the Super Bowl and lose, people will still sit up here and tell me, they still got a chance. No, the fuck they don't. No, they don't. 
Debo's getting more hurt. Christian McCaffrey can only hold up for so much. He's shown, Christian McCaffrey has shown you, he cannot be the entire fucking offense. Trent Williams may have a year, or he may not. We don't fucking know. That offensive line of San Francisco without Trent Williams looks like a college offensive line. They don't know what the fuck to do. That team, and you're relying on Brock Purdy to be at one point the guy to lead you down the field and win a game when you're not down by four points or less. Yeah, I, I don't trust San Francisco. That defense is great. Yes. But Green Bay showed you. You can still score on them. It's not like they're just unstoppable fucking defense. And by the way, you're starting to get into the point now where you're going to have to start paying these motherfuckers. The San Francisco window will be officially closed if they lose to Detroit, Baltimore, or Kansas City. There is no way in hell. No way in hell San Francisco does not look at that, that situation and say to themselves, George Kittle's old, Trent, Trent Williams is old, Debo Samuel keeps getting hurt, Christian McCaffrey um, can be an injury-prone person at any moment. We're relying on Brock Purdy to be the guy, and we don't really trust him in big moments like that. And on top of that, Kyle Shanahan, as great as he is, his clock managing sometimes a little iffy. And sometimes he gets in his own fucking way with play calling because he thinks he's so smart than everybody else. And then on top of that, our defense always has to read. We have to always bring in new coordinators because everybody leaves our defense. How much more do you really think that the damn San Francisco 49ers can handle with all of those changes and all those situations and all those things? And Brandon Ayuk might literally leave next fucking year. Brandon Ayuk might be one of the top free agent receivers this offseason. Yeah. This is going to be a hard thing if San Francisco loses because that window of opportunity is officially fucking closed. And I don't think anybody wants to ever admit it because it sounds absolutely crazy. But look at the goddamn situation at hand. If San Francisco loses at any moment this postseason, and they don't win a championship. That window of opportunity is shit. Close silent. And San Francisco will be right back to the fucking, what the fuck do we do now? Pray. Pray. <laughs> anyway, this upcoming weekend, man, I can't wait. Like I said, Baltimore playing Kansas City. Uh, that's the first game, the AFC. Second game will be... Um, second game will be, um, Detroit versus 49ers. If you heard my NFL preview, postseason preview show, you already know what I want as the Super Bowl. And that is, I had this predicted when I did the preview show before the Super, before the playoffs kicked off. And I said, my Super Bowl matchup is the Baltimore Ravens versus the Detroit Lions. And I actually had, I actually had Buffalo winning that game against Kansas City, but it is what it is. I have Baltimore and Detroit going to the Super Bowl. This is my Super Bowl matchup. I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people because you just never wrap your head around it. But Baltimore is the best team in the NFL. That's point blank, period. And I feel like Detroit has the better offense to beat the 49ers defense. And if you're forcing Brock Purdy to actually have to step up and play and do other shit to get himself going, 
I don't think the 49ers are winning this game. So that is why I have Detroit and the Baltimore Ravens going to the Super Bowl. And hopefully Sunday, my dream will be that. Until next time, I am Brandon Janu. This is I Believe Sports. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.